I invite you to take a moment to consider a place, an environment where you find your safety in this guided imagery. I'm going to gently walk you through what looks to be, what feels to be safety in all the ways. And I start by expecting and exploring your five senses, allowing your five senses to come online, breathing in and breathing out, noticing the first sensation in the physical body. As you breathe in and breathe out, taking as much space and time to explore that sensation, touch, intentional grounding as you sit or lie down, bringing a mindful presence, breathing in and out, evoking the smells, potentially having placed a candle or incense in the room, Simply breathe in and breathe out the aromas that captivate your attention. And again, taking all the time in the world, exploring these sensations as they commingle, breathing in and breathing out, moving in to the audible, the auditory, the sounds depending on where you are and never forgetting that quietude is a sound, turning up the volume or turning down whatever feels right to you. Breathing in and breathing out, Again, witnessing the confluence, the merging of sorts between these sensations. All the while, paradoxically, siloing each sensation individually. And just like all things psychedelic, finding safety, finding confidence, and finding a security within these sensations. Now moving forward, we take one breath in and one breath out. And I invoke the sensations and potentially where the imagination comes in of the tastes, maybe lingering tastes from morning tea or coffee, salivating to what potentially is on for food, letting your mind indulge in the flavors that you enjoy. Breathing in and breathing out, finding connection, finding security. And now pivoting to your visual space with eyes closed, imagining, seeing what's in this visual space. And knowing with each step deeper, always safe enough to open your eyes when you feel called.
Breathing in and breathing out with intention, I now invite you the sixth sensation, one we often forget but necessarily do lean on, and that's our intention. Simply witness the intention, your intuition, and your motivations for all things. The intuitive mind settling in. Now taking all the time in the world to come back out, rescanning the body. And throughout the day, throughout your evening, coming back to one sensation or letting them commingle. And when you're ready, no rush, no urgency, opening your eyes to see the visual space and remember what is safe to you. Hi, it's Ryan. Welcome to your weekly dose of The Psychedelic Psychologist, where I invite my guests to share stories about their psychedelic experiences. We cover a variety of topics, from overcoming addiction and severe depression to finding wholeness and spiritual emergence. Today's podcast, you're going to hear from one of my guests, who is an amazing individual, one that I find peace, calm, and deep serenity when I connect with them, Justin. It's really great to see you. Great to hear you. How are you coming in, sir? Hey, Ryan. It's good to be here. Good to see you. Good to talk to you. And I feel, no, I feel excitement, nerves, but overall, I feel pretty good. We were talking about that in the meditation, this conglomeration, and I hear you say excitement and nerves. What do you do to pay notice to attention when you have a mixture of emotions like this coming in? I just try as best as I can to be with them without pushing them away. I try and let them take their course naturally because I notice that when I have both of those emotions coming up, they kind of fluctuate really quickly between I feel excited one second, I feel nervous the next, and then it goes back and forth. So I just try and sit with it as best as I can. I love that. Tell me a little bit about talking all things psychedelic. What does the word bring to you when I say psychedelic or the integration that you and I have done or the classical therapy you and I have done? What does that word bring into your psyche and focus? Just the wild ride, the wild ride that psychedelics are. I think that's what I think about the most. And you say wild ride, and I agree with you. And I think especially in today's society and what I'm profoundly grateful for with our relationship is your acknowledgement of slowing down and looking at things and not being so aggressive with psychedelics. What is your relationship when you think about that wild ride with psychedelics and how are you reconciling this newfound appreciation our culture is putting on it? I think about all the good and the bad that can come from psychedelics. You know, I, as we discussed, I started pretty early, pretty earlier than most. And for most of my time using them, I've never had any issues. I've enjoyed them. I wouldn't be who I am without them. And they made me just a way better person than I think I would have turned out to be. 
but you know, they do where I'm at with them now, my relationship with them now is understanding that psychedelics can be like playing with fire and they can burn you. And so I just have a deeper respect for them as of right now, but also a greater caution towards them. Can we go back just a little bit? You talked about being introduced to them early, like myself, very early. It's almost as if we don't know any different. Can you tell me about your personal narrative as it relates to that early introduction to the world of psychedelics? I assume it must have been recreational at some sort. Yeah, it was actually pretty funny because growing up, I was never like huge into drugs. And I don't know where it came from, but I always had this idea that, okay, if I'm going to ever try any drugs besides weed, it's going to be ecstasy and mushrooms. I didn't really know anything about them. They just seemed fun. And again, I'm not sure where that idea even came from. But the summer of 11th grade, I tried ecstasy for my first time and I had a really good time. And then the summer of my senior year, not knowing anything about mushrooms, I picked up and ate the mushrooms and again, just tried them out, took the whole eighth and had my whole world turned upside down, good and bad. And as crazy as that first experience was, I knew that there was something to be taken away from them. And I continued to do them, I would say late teens, so like 18, 19 into early 20s, mostly recreational. I got into the music festival scene. So I was doing them at music festivals a lot. And I was doing them with my friends, just hanging out, going for hikes. And then there got to a point where I started to use them more for, uh, quote unquote, doing the work and more, you know, I do them by myself and I wanted to explore my internal landscape a little better. And that's eventually where I led to. Yeah, you talk about doing the work, all things psychedelic. We'll go back and forth in time and we'll kind of play with the space-time continuum. What is the work you're doing that you notice psychedelics has provided you that potentially you might not have been able to look at? You said you've been changed and you appreciate who you are. What are the things that are the large themes that psychedelics have kind of uncovered in your life? I think the biggest theme for me was there was no more bullshitting myself and every area of my life that I had. And, and, and to go back, it's yes, I say bullshitting yourself, but it's also, you only know what you know. And in some ways it was all unconscious behaviors and patterns. But psychedelics brought that to light in a way that I couldn't ignore, I couldn't deny, I couldn't, you know, ignore the fact that I was shitty to my mom or shitty to this person or that I had been using manipulative behaviors to get something in specific. And so it was just really a reconciliation with all of that. And it was at first a very tough pill to swallow 
and it was very hard. And then eventually it got to the point where I almost seeked that out. Um, just because I wasn't afraid of it anymore and it helped me kind of grow as a person. What were you seeking out specifically? The idea of just uncovering things? Yeah, uncovering things. I was in this momentum of just, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to know more. And at that point, that's where I was at. Can I invite what does it mean? Because I have heard that quite a bit, and I love that you're saying it so poignantly, this idea of wanting to grow, desiring to grow. And how often did you then stop, listen, consume, and then digest? And how often, especially as a youngster, I know myself included, it was as if this you know, rocket ship was going to go away at some point, worried that you know, I needed to learn as much as I needed to learn before some proverbial ending. How did you titrate those experiences as you're learning, you know, my big love affair with integration? What was your intuitive way of doing that? Let's see. In the beginning, there was no integration. It was, again, all, all out of fun, all recreation. Right? It's like one festival to the next. You're like, right, next. Yeah. So during the summer, it seemed to be what was more traditional use of psychedelics. So mainly just mushrooms and acid. And then throughout the year, we went to a lot of clubs where I'd take a lot of MDMA, ecstasy. Well, not really ecstasy, but just MDMA. That was what was big at the time. And again, there was no integration. And then when I started doing them more for the internal work, I don't know if there's any integrational steps like journaling after or anything like that but it was more i would say just reflection mm -hmm. and a little spaced out where instead of using psychedelics every couple months i was using them maybe twice a year but definitely at least one good trip every year yeah and talking about that cadence the cadence allows you to settle in, does it not? This idea of being able to uncover different rocks and different pinnacle moments in those psychedelic spaces that we might have overlooked because we were doing it so often. Yeah. Speak to me as you come into this new space of doing the work. What's your personal relationship with these medicines today? Uh, so as of today, I don't have really have a relationship with them the way I used to. It is what had brought me to you and working together two years now seems insane, but it's cool. And so my relationship now is there isn't a relationship. I have taken a pause on psychedelics every once in a great while. I'll do a little microdose of mushrooms. But other than that, I don't feel that I'm in a position where I want to do a bigger dose than that. And I don't know if I'll, if I'll ever be back to that. As I was saying earlier, as fire could keep you warm, it could also burn you. And I got burnt two years ago and you know what led me to you. And so I just think right now is not the time to 
be doing psychedelics. What's the emotion coming up as you're saying this out loud, as I see you and witness you so beautifully vulnerable? Um, I, for the most part, I feel pretty good. But like I have since two years ago, done a lot of work to integrate what had happened to me. I think if there's any emotion, it might be a smidge of underlying shame. Uh, and I just, I need to step in because I find you remarkably courageous. The moment I met you, you do do the work. You are doing the work. And there's no invisible loyalty in this world. And I, I want to make it predominantly evident to have to do something or intake something to be doing the work. The man I know is courageous, lifting your boulders, moving and honoring. Sometimes it's okay to put things down and still honor the subject matter. And that's what I love about the work you and I are doing, be it through breath work or different guided imageries or dream work, you've always stepped up to look at yourself. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. It doesn't mean because we don't do it that we're not, right? Yeah. Noble or capable enough. How are you reconciling that? This idea that this loyalty, especially in the year 2022, when everything is like going off the chain, I not doing psychedelics is a different kind of work and say more about that. It is in some ways I feel like hoarder and I don't, I've never taken this long of a pause or break from psychedelics since you know that first time i did ecstasy or mushrooms so there you know what i've realized in the past two years is that when life starts to hit this stale moment or i feel like i'm not evolving or progressing or not really sure what direction to head in or what to do i think i would turn to psychedelics and it would help and I always referred to psychedelics almost as like cheat codes in the game of life. But yeah, not using them or leaning on them as a crutch nowadays, it's really forced me to look at myself in a whole new perspective and kind of reorganize how I view life. That's appreciative. That's, I can't say anything else other than a breath of fresh air. The cheat code of life, sometimes it is a overwhelming amount of information. And I believe at one point in the spirit molecule written by Rick Straussman, he says that the Buddhist monks would say, it's like the chicken or the egg. Are we going to do psychedelics to unlock things or are we going to do the work through the meditation? And it leads to the conversation of spiritual bypassing, right? Could psychedelics be a variation or version of spiritual bypassing yeah absolutely 
What do you mean when you say absolutely? What do you resonate with when I say that? I feel like people don't ever want to admit, but there is a fun component to psychedelics. And like I've had they more that it's so yeah. true. I've had a blast on them. As hard as they have been, they have also been some of my most outrageous experiences, just having fun. And that's why I don't knock them entirely. I still have great appreciation for them. I just think that the direction everything is heading in, as someone who, when I got burnt, I had all my eyes dotted, all my T's crossed. I had found somebody who was a therapist of many years. They did psychedelic assisted psychotherapy on the underground. And this was the safest I've ever could have done psychedelics. And although nothing bad happened during my session, after the session was when I got burnt. And so just, I, I just feel that there needs to be, um, we just need to have greater respect around them and just a higher level of caution. Yeah, I double down on that endorsement and I'm profoundly grateful you and I are doing the active work after because right now you hear people lining up for mushrooms in British Columbia or Oregon or going down to Mexico. And I personally, with a public service announcement, I'm meeting people I've never met before coming back completely shattered after ayahuasca experiences. And that was their first psychedelic experience. And it's it's tragic. And what you're saying isn't being disrespectful to the medicine. I really love the idea of what you said because they are fun. And I think our mainstream media is minimizing the magnitude of the recreational aspect of them. And they're trying to go, oh, this needs to be therapeutic. But lo and behold, they're also then making tinctures with psilocybin they're you know doing all these microdosing and people don't know the definition of microdosing some of them are doing grams and so i think there's a large aspect of us trying to blanket something that feels very like the 60s right and yeah. we're, we don't want to acknowledge the fact that hey there is going to be some recreational use still about. I mean, you even hear it with ketamine lozenges with teenagers in K-holes. It's pretty fucking intense. Yeah, I just heard an advertisement on a podcast that if you get approved through, I guess, a particular insurance or something, that they'll mail you ketamine lozenges, which I was like, what the fuck? That sounds wild. Yeah. And then on top of it, one of the things I had, I was dreaming about one night is this idea of the mental instability and vulnerability of our homeless population and the easy and access now becoming illegal. And if it's put in the hands of people that don't have the structure, as you said, or the safety or even the mental framework to be exploring these, be it a teenager or someone working just with some of their own mental health. It's it's a breath of fresh air of what you're talking about, Justin. I think it's necessary. And it's not to sound prudent or, oh, like we're the gatekeepers by fuck's sake. We're just saying what? That even when you think everything's good, you never know. And there could just always be more precautions put into place. And 
you know, again, I, I did it for years, never had any issues, always had a good time. And the safest time I did do it, I got burnt. And yeah, so just caution. In retrospect, with your permission, what would you say now would be different? You talk about the caution. It, would it just be accepting what happened or is it deeper than that? Is there some fundamental things that you would offer somebody that is considering doing this? It's a good question. Uh, all I could speak on is my personal experience and you know, with doing it on the underground and you see, you know, a lot of these Brooklyn shamans, or like you said, going up to Washington or Oregon, and there's just, and I never used to feel like, you know, see, watching this go through like FDA, all the studies that they're doing now. In my head, I always had mixed views about it, but after going through what I went through, you know, if there is a fallout, like what I experienced, if this is legal and sanctioned, then there's a way to help that person where somebody on the underground may not be able to do it because then they're at liability and they're at fault. And yeah. Yeah. That's intense. You're right. This idea of kind of having the bumpers all around and then doubling down on the bumpers. And that's, you know, seen with different places like harm reduction, Zendo, for example, being at festivals and having the care tents now is a beautiful experience. Tell me a little more about your personal story of what you're going to take what you're going to walk with, what what is your active process of living in the world today? What are you diving into? I'm trying to rely more on, uh, we said it in the previous therapy session, but chopping the wood and carrying the water. And you're smiling. What, what are you laughing about when you say <laughs> chopping the wood, carrying the water? Just learning to appreciate the mundane shit that we take for granted and actually just watching the Stutz documentary, he said the three aspects of life that are undeniable are pain, uncertainty, and constant work. And I feel like that relates to chopping the wood, carrying the water, and just getting used to maybe, yeah, that life without drugs. That's a fucking remarkable statement. And by the way, I double down on, again, endorsing that documentary with Jonah Hill. It's a beautiful relationship of how psychiatry and therapy can be with the appropriate emotional intelligence. But there is chopping the wood, carrying the water, and the mundane shit, right? And going back to psychedelics, I think that's why a lot of people do psychedelics is because lo and behold, they're a little burned out of the mundane shit and they want to start that fire. And as you said, it could burn you and walking with the mundane is a really magical question what does it look like to walk in the mundane and yet feel the magic i'm at a point where i'm realizing or at least just where i'm at is i feel like everything is leading towards gratitude 
And to me, as of right now, that seems to be like the, the cheat code in life is gratitude, some form of a gratitude practice, whether it's a journal or ritual of sorts. But so that's how I think I'm learning to deal with the mundane is through implementing a strong gratitude practice into my life right now. Very enlightening. And not forgetting that there's work to be done around the corner and that things are challenging. Life is difficult. Yeah. Meeting the unexpected. Walk with me as you're doing in the gentleness. What are you personally doing to be gentle with yourself? You've shared so much personal stories about having wonderful experiences with psychedelics and putting these psychedelics on the shelf. Now, what are you personally doing to walk with gentleness? I just always try to pay attention to kind of like where my thoughts are at. And the moment I start to get hard on myself, you know, I just watch that thought for what it is. And I think that's my biggest thing to work on being gentle with myself is to just be aware of my thoughts and not to take them so personally, catch myself if I'm being hard on myself and know when to like pull the cord on that. And that doesn't give me an out in life to not work hard or do the work that's needed, but there's no need to sit here and pick myself apart. And I think a big part of that too is going back to a lot of moments in my life of shame, fear, you know, those younger moments when I may not have felt adequate enough to deal with whatever I was feeling to constantly check back on those moments as well and just show that version of myself some love. So again, I think it all circles back to this self-love practice, gratitude practice, which sounds corny, cheesy, not what a lot of people want to do, but I think it has a huge value to it. Well, you bring up ritual too, and this idea that it needs to be consistently ritualized in your life. So if it's a moment of gratitude, or as you said, indulging a journal or self-love, there's a purpose of people often ignore it. And I see that quite often. If you can't love yourself, how are you going to even be able to know that you can do the work? Let me ask in a real existential question. What what are you doing to ritualize your life today? What are the acts of ritual that you're being with today? So it sounds weird to say as ritual, but running has completely taken over my life in the past year. And I'm in the process of like, whether it's a stress fracture or shin splints, I've been dealing with it for months, but I'm in the process of getting back. But I think exercise is like a big part. And now that school's finished, I want to get back into some writing. I want to do some more writing. But I'd say those are the big things right now. And because I witnessed you in so much transformations, Justin, if you were able to speak to that younger self that was in 10th, 11th grade, what would today's Justin be saying to him?
think number one, we don't worry so much because I was, that was the name of the game back then for me. Uh, the second thing would be to trust in the process. And the third would be just to know that it's all okay. It's all good. Whatever you've done, it's good. There's nothing to be ashamed about, said about, to beat yourself up over. You know, it's like we're all learning. No one's got it figured out. And it's like every year you look back on the year before you. And at that time, you feel like, oh, I, I think I got it. Everything feels pretty good, pretty on top of the pole. And then a year later that you're looking on yourself and you're like, what a fucking asshole. They had nothing figured out, didn't have this going on, thought you had it figured out. And so we're just, you know, it's constantly learning, constantly evolving, but it's all okay in the end. It's all okay. It is all okay. And what I am profoundly grateful for as a witness to you and support is knowing you can also reach out and have your allies, right? Because <laughs> it does get scary. And yeah. what I've witnessed in you is this idea of never stopping to check in, to go, okay, I want to look at this, be it through breath work or talk therapy or just processing a subject matter. And I've always been deeply appreciative of you for that. This idea of like, let's look at it. Let's not be afraid to kind of chew on it a bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, to go back to putting psychedelics on the shelf, you know, like at the start of us talking, I was so bent out of shape. Because I would, I thought I'd be doing psychedelics till the day that I die, and it ate me alive for a while. To put, I would temporarily have to put psychedelics on the shelves, and so just being able to look at these other avenues to work with myself and work with other people, and it doesn't have to be all the eggs in just one basket. Is says that, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel that came from the situation. Most definitely, and I'm super, super appreciative of that. And that's a huge reminder for everybody, is this idea is if we're super singularly focused on one subject matter, be it psychedelics or, you know, whatever, you, it could be quite limiting. And what I love about what you just said is... We're going to die today, and we're not guaranteed to have the Huxley LSD injection, and nor would I think I want it. I think I would want to be as clear-headed as I potentially possibly could be to transition into the mystery. So I think it's an active practice of witnessing what what is our body, what is our innate spirit 